Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here, welcome you back to the show this week. And guys, the season has unofficially begun. Yes, winter testing is officially underway in Barcelona, and that means we are now just 21 days away from FP1 at the Australian Grand Prix. But before then, we're going to get through a lot of things. We're going to learn a lot of things, hopefully, as the the, the teams test and shake down their cars at uh, Barcelona over the next uh, week or so. And we're going to get into it uh, in just a moment here. And there is a ton of news to get through, and we're really going to be pressed to cover it all in the next hour or so. And that's a big reason why I decided to get the show out a day early this week because my my notepad was just starting to really fill up. I was uh, I thought if I, I keep going, then this is going to turn into like an hour and a half or two hours show. And that uh, just tends to be a little bit uh, too long. <laughs> it becomes a lot of work to uh, to put together and to record and edit and uh, and just try and, and assemble all the information. But it's all good. It's exciting to be talking about uh, Formula One again in, uh, in a meaningful way or well, I mean, it's always meaningful, but there are things uh, happening on the track, and uh, that's always uh, a good thing. But just uh, going uh, back to some other news, just to follow up uh, from uh, last week, uh, there has been uh, a move to potentially uh, replace or reschedule the, the Chinese Grand Prix at the end of the year with a, maybe a two-day event in uh, November between the Brazilian and Abu Dhabi uh, Grand Prix. Of course, uh, the, the Chinese Grand Prix was cancelled about a, a week or 10 days ago because of ongoing concerns about the spread and the containment of the corona virus and uh, the, the whole outbreak and uh, what the, the the Chinese authorities are trying to do to keep that uh, from spreading any further. And like I said last week, it's it's the right thing to do when it comes to, to people's health, especially when it says something so serious. But again, of course, as Formula One fans, we would like to see the the, the race go on when it is uh, possible and, and reasonable and safe to do so. And uh, if they can uh, schedule in at the end of the year, that would be wonderful. And I really wonder if they can pull it off because I mean the the, the schedule's jam packed uh, as it is and it would be uh, it would be great on one hand if they can do it in November but it's still the way that uh, things are are going now we're going to have a big big gap between the Vietnamese Grand Prix on the 5th of April and then when they uh, pick up again on uh, the 3rd of May at the the Dutch Grand Prix. Well, actually, it's the 30th of April when uh, FP1 goes uh, in Holland, but still, we're going to have a long gap uh, right at the very beginning of uh, the, the season. And I guess uh, from one point of view, from uh, from a Formula One uh, point of view, that is, it's a it's a good thing. And despite uh, losing the, the, the Chinese Grand Prix in between there, at least after the first three races, it gives the teams uh, the, the, the chance to go back and reevaluate and and see what they've uh, learned over the first uh, couple of races of the year uh, because typically when we get to, to the European portion of the season anyways by the time we get to Spain uh, it's usually the first uh, European race on the calendar each and every year that's where we usually see the first round of uh, upgrades and updates that uh, that the teams uh, bring to, to to apply to their cars after the first uh, couple of races so uh, what with that month in between we'll see uh, what happens then it, it should be uh, fascinating to see 
from that point of view, even though it's going to be like having the summer break right up early. So again, on one hand, uh, like I said, it is a good thing uh, just to uh, on the, the safety and the health point of view. But on the other side, it is a little bit uh, difficult uh, to take such an extended break early in the year. But uh, I suppose, uh, you know, it is uh, a... Uh, well, it is what it is, right? When it, when it comes to people's health and safety, you really can't uh, be uh, too uh, too safe and too careful. And uh, from that point of view, I think it uh, still is the right uh, decision to make. And also, there was another option that that's out there, and that is Imola has offered to to host the uh, the Chinese Grand Prix, uh, even though uh, they do admit that it's a, a bit of a, a long shot. I mean, it's been uh, it's been a while since we've had a, uh, a Formula One race there. I mean, they uh, lobbied to get the uh, the Italian Grand Prix. They there in 2016 they had a, a gp2 uh, series uh, in uh, march 2011 and but i mean it's been a long time since they've had uh, a formula one race there and it might be just a, a little bit uh, unrealistic or a little bit well maybe not unrealistic but uh, i'm not really sure how the track is at this point and how it uh, is for safety and uh, and all the formula one standards with the pits and stuff like that so i would just uh, rather that uh, if the chinese grand prix can't go i mean perhaps maybe just uh, cutting it back uh, the, the season by a race is the right thing uh, to do after all. I mean, why, why go somewhere else that isn't uh, fully prepared to host a Grand Prix just for the sake of getting a, a race in, especially if the facilities and the track aren't up to standards at any rate. Anyways, we're going to get into everything in just a moment here. We're going to break away a little earlier than usual from a message from our sponsor. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Living with chronic pain is the worst. It's more than a feeling of discomfort. It can affect your whole life. Many of my listeners probably have some type of pain that has prevented them from relaxing or sleeping or stopped them from exercising. Perhaps it's been ongoing for a few weeks now and hasn't improved with any of the treatment that they've tried. Enter Omax Health. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, CryoFree CBD Roll-On developed by Omax Health. This non-prescription, triple-action pain relief roll-on is specially formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part is this 100% natural CBD-powered remedy works its magic within 10 minutes of application, and relief lasts up to 8 hours, much longer than the -the over-the-counter products. Omax Health is offering my listeners 20% off a full bottle of cryo-free CBD pain relief roll-on, plus free shipping. This discount also applies towards any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter code OVERTIME. That is omaxhealth.com and enter code OVERTIME to get 20% off cryo-freeze and site-wide. Still not sold? I can tell you that pro athletes such as PGA pro golfer Kyle Stanley uses cryo-freeze CBD to recover both on and off the court. And go look at the product reviews. They've got 95% five-star reviews, page after page of customers saying that they've tried everything and Omax CryoFreeze is so good, they are now buying it for their family and friends too. Anyone from athletes to Grandma Josie can benefit from this immediate pain relief. You have pain that won't go away? Then you qualify for Omax CryoFreeze. Simply roll it over where it hurts and ice out the pain. No messy creams or horrible fragrances like some of those other products. CryoFreeze works within 10 minutes of application, improving physical training, recovery, and performance. So go to omaxhealth.com and enter code OVERTIME to get 20% off CryoFreeze and site-wide. I'm telling you, this product is the real deal, so go to omaxhealth.com and enter code OVERTIME to get 20% off and site-wide. 
All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And well, like I say, it is all go at Barcelona. Winter testing in full uh, full swing over the past couple of days. And well, after the first day or so, it is a couple of very familiar names at the top of the time charts. And that is the Silver Arrows of Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas leading the way in, uh, in winter testing. Uh, Lewis set a fastest time of a 1 minute 16.976, followed by uh, Bottas setting a a 1 minute 17.313 seconds, uh, followed up uh, by uh, Sergio Perez in the racing point. Uh, he set a time of 1 minute 17.375, so actually not all that far off uh, Valtteri, just about uh, six and a half hundredths of a second. Then followed up uh, by uh, Max Verstappen, Danny Kvyat, Carlos Sainz, Danny Ricardo, Esteban Alcon, and... Uh, <laughs> Well, <laughs> that's a bit of a surprise here. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Uh, we, we've got uh, George Russell in the Williams in ninth and Lance Stroll in 10th. Charles Leclerc filling in for a Sebastian Vettel, who was under the, the weather a little bit, uh, setting a time of 1 minute 18.289 seconds in the Ferrari SF1000. That was only good for 11th uh, fastest on the timesheets, but early days yet. I mean, remember this time last year, it was um, a Ferrari that kind of got way off uh, to a big, huge uh, start, uh, came out of the gate flying. Uh, they were about a second, second and a half, uh, a second left faster than everyone else. And then uh, by the time we got uh, to Australia a couple of weeks later, it didn't really matter because, uh, well, it just didn't translate to speed on the track. And of course, at uh, winter testing, uh, their rivals in Red Bull and uh, and, and, and Mercedes uh, just didn't get it together in such a quick fashion. I mean, uh, Mercedes really took a little bit of time to really understand the W10 completely and how it uh, behaved uh, in real life on the track under uh you know more stressful conditions not race conditions but uh on uh, on the track at any rate and it took a little while to get the car dialed in whereas uh, Red Bull had a little bit of uh, problems uh, they had to deal with uh, an accident um and when uh, Pierre Gasly crashed and that limited the the time for Max uh, Verstappen so they just uh, really didn't get a lot in so it is interesting to, to to see I must admit I was a little bit disheartened when I saw that because like the uh, I guess the the extreme part of my brain started to panic right off the bat I'm like oh gosh here we go again Mercedes are just going to crush it this year and it's all going to be over by the time we get to Monaco in <laughs> in June and the, the rest of the world championship is going to be a, a foregone conclusion but that is a very very long way off and I'm sure that a lot is going to happen uh, between now and get, uh, now and then pardon me so I should just uh, just relax and uh, realize that it's not uh, going to be all that easy for Mercedes or at least I hope it's not going to be but just to put that into to context uh, uh, into context, pardon me, I'm looking at my notes here. The the times that were set by uh, Mercedes today, just in contrast to the, the Spanish Grand Prix last year. So Valtteri Bottas was on pole last year. He set times in Q1, Q2, and Q3 during qualifying was uh, 116.979. Uh, Q2 was a 115.924. And then Valtteri really throwing it down in Q3 to claim pole. He set a, a pole, uh, uh, pole time of 1 minute 15 seconds, 0.406. And compare that to, to Lewis Hamilton. He set uh, a Q3 time of uh, 116.040. And uh, we had Sebastian Vettel in there sitting at 116.272. So, I mean, that was a very, very impressive time uh, from, from Valtteri Bottas, just to name off a couple of the uh, the, the, the front runners there. Anyways, the, the, the fastest lap uh, during the race was set uh, by Lewis Hamilton. He set a time of 1 minute 18.492 seconds. So that just, uh, I think, puts the, uh, 
idea that the times in um, in in context a little bit. Uh, it really is going to be interesting to see how times compare to uh, to, to last year. I mean, th- this year the regulations are, are frozen. We're not going to see any real big uh, changes until next year when everything is completely brand new and the new formula comes into effect in in, in twenty twenty one. So it will be uh, like I say, it will be very interesting to see how the times compare, uh, not just uh, during winter testing, but as we go to all these tracks. I mean, of course, uh, Vietnam and uh, and Holland are going to be completely different because Hanoi is a completely new track. Zandvoort, they haven't been there since, what, the 1980s. Plus, they've got this uh, new bank corner at the end. So those are going to be uh, new. But anyways, at all the um, established tracks, it will be uh, it'll be something to watch to see how those times compare, if they stay uh, roughly the same, if they're uh, quicker or slower, or how it's going to shake out. But uh, interesting to see so far on the first uh, day or so of testing that the times really aren't all that uh, vastly different. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so just uh, moving along this, uh, like I was saying just now, I was panicking a little bit to a certain, a certain extent that, uh, Mercedes were going to walk away with it, but then was immediately followed up, uh, by some more positive news. And, uh, the, the first of, uh, which was, uh, Max Verstappen saying that the new Red Bull, the RB16 is fast everywhere. So that is uh, extremely interesting and fascinating to hear Max uh, saying that. And uh, Verstappen had to say the following, quote, the car is fast everywhere, which is a good thing. And reliability seems even better. So that is all very positive. I think it's been a good day. The car has been working really well together with the engine. And that is what we want to see. For that, us, that is the most important. I'm very happy about that. We just want to learn the car and try the things on the car and see what we can do. End quote. So that is a very, very interesting. I mean, they have this new philosophy that they want to get off to a quicker start this season. And uh, well, last year, I mean, they had a good year. I mean, don't get me wrong. And then Red Bull had a good year with the first season of having Honda power in the cars. And uh, but but the problem was that by the time that they were really able to to come out and really, I think, uh, make their stamp on the season, they had a very good race. I thought in in Spain, I think that was clearly for me the uh, one of the first indications that uh, that they were. Uh, Ahead of uh, Ferrari in, um, in in the running order, not just in that race, but uh, that the uh, the RB15 was a better car than the SF90, and uh, Ferrari still at that point uh, where it looked like they were just uh, miles off of the pace compared to to, to Red Bull and also to, um, to to Mercedes, obviously. But the big problem was that by the time we got to Spain, I mean we were in that uh, that run of the uh, unbelievable Mercedes form, where they won just crushed it over the opening eight or nine races, uh, winning race after race after race, and all the one twos uh, between Bottas and Hamilton and that really was where the the, the season was decided it was in that first third or first quarter of the season as uh, those two basically disappeared off into the sunset and so hopefully just from and I think this is a word that I sort of pull out and or maybe I don't pull it out but it's a word that uh, sort of pops to the forefront in my mind when when I think about Formula One and the state uh, where it is right now and and I, I've said this before I really do not have a problem with uh, Mercedes winning or Lewis Hamilton winning, I would just like to see somebody challenge them uh, more often. And I think that's uh, what's made it a little bit more, ex- well, I know it's made it more exciting from time to time when we've seen uh, guys be able to challenge Bottas or Hamilton, especially at the front or where they get mixed up a little bit uh, when when the running order gets uh, jumbled up because of a safety car or like uh, the bizarreness that we had at uh, at the German Grand Prix at Hockenheim last year in the, in the rain. The rain's always good for that. Uh, it tends to mix things up and uh, you get to see who the, the really good 
drivers are in the wets, but just uh, under normal racing conditions, I'd like to see a little bit more parity. It would be just uh, be more fun to see these guys mixing up at the front uh, more often. And if at the end of the day, Lewis Hamilton has to fight it out and win, and or 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 uh, Valtteri Bottas for that matter, you know, I'm fine with that uh, that that too. But having said that, uh, if, if Max is feeling more um, uh, positive about the car, he feels like it's a uh, faster and, a, and more of an improvement on the car from last year. And this uh, new philosophy that uh, that uh, Red Bull is coming to the season with, that they want to be more competitive, they want to be challenging quicker in the season so they don't lose ground in the championship, I think that's uh, nothing but a good thing. But again, early days yet. I mean, uh, a couple of days uh, testing is uh, is one thing. We still uh, are 21 days away from the, the, the Australian Grand Prix, and that really is going to be the, uh, the, the big difference. I mean, we really don't know a lot of the, the different parameters and the different settings that the, that the teams are going with uh, who's using what compound tires how much fuel they're running all those different things uh, the amount of trim on the uh, on, on the wings the amount of downforce that they have all those different variables that you have to take into account as uh, as well and that, like I say when I saw the uh, the, the, the timesheets uh, from uh, Wednesday I guess it was and uh, Charles Leclerc was uh, 11th faster well, I took that with a, a bit of a pinch of salt. Uh, I, I think that uh, obviously when he gets called in for basically emergency uh, duty and the car is uh, still brand new and they're, they're only 11th fastest, there's no way that Ferrari is going to be that slow come uh, come the season. So I think, uh, again, once they get that car sorted out and, and dialed in, that'll be a, a completely uh, different uh, situation. And that leads into the next story. And to, to get uh, the words from the, the man himself, from uh, Charles Leclerc, who had uh, the, the following uh, to say, quote, of course, I think we had changed our, uh, a little bit our approach compared to last year. Last year, the testing was great, but the first race was a bit less great. And yeah, I think we've u- learned a th- few things on this. And this year, we've decided to focus more on ourselves, trying to learn the car as much as possible in these first few days, and then focus on performance a bit later on. And we'll see if that uh, pays off. Uh, Leclerc then went on to add, quote, more about uh, correlating the numbers from the factory and the track, and we don't know how competitive it is. Still driving a new car, I will uh, push it to the limit of the car. We haven't pushed the car, but I'm pushing myself to try and know the car better. So the more laps we do with it, the more confident I'll arrive in Melbourne. So on that side, on the driving side, I've learned a lot. And then the different tests we've performed today, I think they've been very positive, end quote. And I think uh, Charles is just uh, really, uh, I, I think he's really put to, to rest uh, a lot of uh, doubt. And of course, I, I think that is um, an interesting insight into what uh, Ferrari's doing. Get to, to learn the car now, figure out where they're at. How does it um, how does it perform in real life rather than on paper, quote unquote. I'm doing the uh, inverted commas in the air as I say that because uh, until uh, recently, it was just something that existed um, in a computer somewhere. And then of course, uh, from there, it goes into the factory, it gets built, all the components, the power unit, the tires, everything goes onto it. Now it's out in the track and uh, they have to find out, is it going to uh, react? Is it going to perform and uh, behave the way that uh, that they expect it to based on the design and the the, the, the modeling and the testing that they've done in the factory and uh, and now it's on, in the, uh, on the racetrack. So Charles, I think that if uh, he's uh, positive about it and uh, they're just going to spend these first couple of uh, days uh, figuring out uh, what the... Uh, what what the car is capable of and then push it as time goes on then I think we'll we'll, we'll obviously see those uh, times improve as uh, the SF1000 um, gets a little bit more miles under the belt and uh, of course again it is uh, last year for for me winter testing I think everybody just got uh, I 
well, I, I count myself among those people that uh, maybe got a, a little bit uh, too buoyant, a little bit uh, too soon, uh, just based on uh, those those numbers. Because again, like winter testing, I mean, there, there's so many different things to, to take into account that you, you really can't compare uh, times against uh, one another. So anyways, uh, interesting uh, to, to see uh, just uh, some of the positive feedback that uh, we, we've heard, not just uh, from uh, the, the Mercedes guys, but also from uh, Ferrari, also from Max Verstappen at Red Bull. And uh, well... We'll see how winter testing goes. The big test comes in uh, 21 days when we get to, uh, to Melbourne. Anyways, uh, now we're going to uh, spend a little bit of time uh, and talk about uh, Mercedes because there's a lot of Mercedes uh, news and quotes floating around there in the media this week. And the first one uh, comes from Total Wolf, team principal at uh, Mercedes. And he's been rather dismissive that uh, Formula One is uh, less attractive because of the dominance of his uh, team over the past uh, several years in the, the, the V6 turbo hybrid era. And uh, he insists that uh, despite that, uh, despite Mercedes' uh, dominance uh, of Formula One, that uh, that uh, that the sport is what he calls on a, on a really good path. Uh, last year, of course, they won 15 out of 21 races. They smashed... Uh records and <laughs> just collected so many points between their two drivers uh, for another uh, 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 sorry uh, constructors championship and also the drivers championship which is Lewis's sixth and just uh, just amazing sort of stuff anyways Toto had the following to say quote Mercedes winning a sixth championship, you can say, does this make people turn off? But the point is there that was still variability and unpredictability. You wouldn't know before the weekend if a Ferrari was on pole position or if a Red Bull was on pole position, whether Max Verstappen would win. The battle between the generations is something that is a great attraction. Vettel against Charles, Verstappen against Lewis, this is something that attracts audience. For me, the best news is that we are growing our audiences and fan base with the younger generations, and I think overall, we're on a really good path, end quote. And well, that's uh, really interesting because, I, I, well, growing the sport uh, with uh, with younger fans, I, I think, is absolutely crucial for the uh, for, for the growth of the sport. Obviously, I mean that uh, seems a little bit uh, redundant uh, to say that, but uh, Formula One under the the, the guidance of uh, Bernie Ecclestone, and I don't remember where I heard this uh, quote. Um, it, it may have been uh, something I heard on a radio broadcast or on the, on the television, or maybe. <laughs> who listens to radio anyways, maybe it was on a podcast or some audio clip uh, somewhere. Anyways, it was something to the effect of uh, that, that Bernie, and I, I'm going to really paraphrase and parse here. He, he basically said he wasn't so much interested in the younger generation. For him, the uh, the ideal audience or Formula One fan was the, the 70-year-old guy that already has a ton of money and is willing to spend it. You know, that's great, but, uh, you know, I hate to say it uh, as we all get older and we have parents of that age, but I mean, people that are 70 have a ton of money. They're not really going to be around for the long term, are they? Uh, whereas the younger generation, sure, maybe they don't have as much uh, disposable income, especially if uh, they're in their late teens, early 20s, you know, if they're students or maybe just out of college at their first job. But those are going to be your fans that are going to be watching uh, your sports uh, for, for decades, uh, literally. So, I just uh, think that uh, just focusing on, on one age group or, or another, one demographic or another, just seems uh, incredibly um, close-minded, uh, no matter what it is. I mean, it would just uh, make sense that maybe you focus a little bit more on others, but why would you just focus on one uh, specifically? But uh, very insightful, I think, uh, that uh, you hear that from uh, somebody on the inside, like a Total Wolf, that maybe obviously has a, a little bit more information than uh, the, the, the rest of us do, that uh, he really feels 
feels that uh, despite that the dominance uh, that we've seen from Mercedes over the year, uh, over the years, when you look at the record books and you look at the numbers of races that they've won, the amount of world championships and things like that, I mean, it, it could be very misleading. Somebody comes into the the, the sport and uh, and sees it just uh, by looking at, oh, at 2019, 2018, it's like, oh gosh, these guys just uh, win all the time. This must be uh, pretty boring. And you know, it it can be, I guess, uh, from time to time, depending on uh, your your point of view. But I mean, despite all that, I mean, we have had some uh, very very good races over the the the, the past uh, several years. Uh, the World Championship uh, between bitter rivals Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg going down the to the wire in uh, 2016. That was something to watch. I mean, we've seen the rise of uh, Max Verstappen and uh, Charles Leclerc during that uh, that uh, time as well. We've seen Ferrari come back to. Well, obviously not uh, domination. They've come back to uh, competitiveness. And uh, 2018, was, I, I still maintain, is a, a season that uh, slipped through their fingers. I think that uh, they had a real legit shot to, to win the world championship, at least one of them, uh, between uh, either the constructors or the drivers' uh, championship. So there have been uh, plenty of things, positive things uh, to talk about. Uh, on, on the flip side, uh, there have been some uh, disappointing things. We've seen some constructors uh, fall away. We've seen uh, other teams uh, struggle like uh, Racing Point and uh, Force India, although uh, obviously Racing Point is going to be Aston Martin next year, so they seem to be uh, in good shape. Uh, you know, we've heard uh, other things about uh, the, the potential of other teams maybe leaving Formula One and uh, other manufacturers like Renault, although, uh, you know, uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the program, although they, they've, they're they saying now that they feel like they're on more stable ground. But like I say, I mean, uh, it, when you hear somebody like a Total Wolf say that he feels that uh, the sport is going in the right direction, that it's uh, it's more stable now that they're growing a younger audience you have to be uh, uh, positive about that and also when you hear that uh, that a team like uh, Mercedes despite all the, the the rumors to the contrary suggesting that they're about to, to pull up stakes and leave Formula One and, and go home then why would they sign like a four or five year contract with another uh, major sponsor that they have in Ineos so uh, again you know Total Wolf uh, you know poo-pooing and dispelling those rumors that uh, is nothing more than that as well. So interesting uh, to see. But sticking with uh, Mercedes, uh, excuse me, uh, they've decided to against an entire new car approach uh, for the first race of uh, the season to get uh, a little bit more on the the technical side of things. And uh, technical uh, director James Allison said that this version that was uh, of the uh, W11 that uh, was launched at Silverstone last Friday will not go undergo any significant uh, change. Uh, before the first race in uh, in Melbourne in a couple of uh, races. Anyways, uh, Allison had to say, quote, we will be more conventional this year. We will still have a lot of upgrades for the Melbourne that will come in the second week of testing, but the entire new car approach of 2019 won't feature. Last year, the regulations were quite changed significantly, and they were decided quite late in the year. Under those circumstances, doing a launch car and a week two car gave us the chance to build the maximum amount of learning into our Melbourne car. With the regulations being more mature this year and with the opening step of the 2020 development already being made at the same level as the finish of last year's car, repeating last year's approach would not make sense, end quote. So yeah, very interesting that uh, to hear that uh, we're just going to see some uh, minor pro- or minor upgrades kind of coming to uh, the, the Mercedes car in uh, in Melbourne in a couple of weeks. And again, like I said a little bit earlier, not only uh, 
were the, the 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 regulations decided upon very late in the year. Uh, also, uh, they did have uh, some uh, troubles getting the the car really dialed in and and really sorted out in winter testing. So you could understand why they made more changes later in the uh, the the off season for that first race in, in Melbourne. But this year, I mean, everything's still basically the same. I mean, the cars look awesome, but uh, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> don't say that each and every year, of course. But uh, they they really aren't uh, too radically different from what we saw in in, in 2019 so to, to really go and uh, make some drastic changes might be uh, a little bit uh, ill-advised so uh, we'll have to wait and see what uh, what they bring but uh, also Allison had to continue quote the regulations stayed largely the same for the new year so for us it was all about trying to make sure that we don't run out of development steam on a package that worked pretty well for us last year if we had continued to merely to add flourishes to the 2019 baseline, we would have found some gains, but in all likelihood, diminishing returns would be kicking in by now. We wanted to change aspects of the concept of the car, aspects that would be completely impossible to change within a season, to give us a more fertile platform for the new season. We tried to make a few well-chosen architectural changes to keep the development slope strong, even though the regulations are now a little bit longer in the tooth." End quotes. Anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, again, uh, Allison uh, just uh, reiterating and emphasizing a couple things that because, uh, I mean, basically the platform that they had last year in the W10 was obviously a very good car and uh, brought them a great deal of uh, success for last year with the the, the, the regulations being uh, frozen, being the, the same basically this year as last year. Why would you go and, uh, and, and make drastic changes to it? I mean, that old saying, I think, uh, is very applicable. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And uh, even though uh, maybe uh, James isn't quite as eloquent as myself, or perhaps the other way around, <laughs> that seems to be the the, the philosophy unspoken at uh, Mercedes. Uh, anyways, uh, time for a, a quick break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Did you know that every night local police departments across America receive hundreds of calls from burglar alarms? The vast majority of the time, they have no idea whether the alarm is real. Is there really a crime going on or not? All the alarm company can tell them is that the motion sensor went off, but Simply Safe home security is different. So if you are like me and are one of those guys who's hypersensitive to every single sound and is tired of having to sleep with a knife under your bed, then Simply Safe is the solution. If there's a break-in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. That means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home and entry motion and glass break sensors guard inside. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage and carbon monoxide poisoning. It's 24-7 monitoring by live security professionals. You can set up the system yourself, no tools needed, or Simply Safe can do it for you. And on top of that, it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. So visit simplysafe.com/overtime. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. So go now and be sure you go to simplysafe.com/overtime so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com/overtime. 
All right. Uh, well, welcome back to the show. And we're going to stick now with uh, with Mercedes as uh, we keep uh, going on the, the rundown of what's been going on at uh, winter testing and all around the Formula One paddock uh, this week. Anyways, uh, they did have some uh, design issues, cooling issues with the, the W11 at uh, Mercedes. And uh, they've been uh, focusing on improving that uh, that cooling package on the new car. And uh, that has been helped uh, by the, uh, the, the 2020 engine operating at uh, a higher temperature than its predecessors. So that that is uh, kind of interesting. So apparently the the W10 last year, the Mercedes car did have cooling issues that the team couldn't fill, fully address or figure out um, during the uh, the the uh, the entire year because of the uh, the limitations that they had on the capacity of their uh, radiators, and that was uh, one of the big problems that they had at the uh, the Austrian Grand Prix because it was a really really hot weekend. I don't remember exactly how hot it was off the top of my head, but it was a warm weekend there, and that was a weekend when they were they were off of the pace. It was was all uh, Ferrari, it was all uh, Red Bull, and uh, it really came down to um, uh, Charles Leclerc or uh, Max Verstappen going to win that race because they were two fastest cars on the day, but uh, at the end of it, it was uh, Max uh, and that uh, Red Bull that was just the winning uh, package that afternoon, and uh, I guess we'll uh, all uh, remember that uh, you know that move on turn three where Max barged his way past uh, Charles Leclerc uh, to get into the lead, and he never looked uh, back from there. Anyways, uh, James Allison had to say, a quote, we've improve the cooling package we've created more of a face area so more actual radiator uh, radiator area in the car which is a difficult thing to do mid-season without incurring quite a lot of penalty but between the years you can do it and it won't cost you except a little bit of weight we've also benefited from an investment that hpp made on our behalf they've worked to raise the operating temperature of the engine which eases the cooling burden on us because of the hotter the fluid the rest less radiator you need to quote uh, cool it end quote so uh, again uh, that that is an interesting thing. If you do look at some of the pictures of the W11, the other the radiators are uh, you know quite a bit uh, different uh, than last year. Okay, another uh, interesting uh, thing uh, that uh, that came up uh, this week uh, regarding the uh, Mercedes is uh, they've come out and said that uh, while the uh, Formula E project that, that they had uh, initially was a real strain on their resources, it is now actually uh, helping and um, helping the F1 uh, uh, program after the, the the past couple of years and. Uh, that comes from uh, HPP uh, engine boss or Mercedes HPP uh, engine boss Andy Cowell, and uh, says that uh, their Formula E involvement is actually benefiting uh, Formula One. So that is uh, a really kind of uh, interesting uh, thing to say. And he had to say, "quote Formula E is a fascinating championship with the electric machine as the only device for propelling the car. Therefore, the efficiencies of that electric machine, the inverter, and all the control systems are paramount. The torque accuracy delivery is crucial." Some of the development learning there has uh, now fed back into F1. So from Melbourne this year, our F1 hybrid system will benefit from our Formula E development work. We've also made some manufacturing improvements that originate in the FE program. We manufacture our own electric machines and some of the techniques developed for Formula E are being applied to the F1 electric machines as this year as well. This is exciting to see. In the past, we've seen games from the Project 1 development feedback into F1. Now we are also seeing the Formula E engineering and manufacturing technology feeding back into F1, end quote. 
So that uh, that is interesting. I mean, they, they have put in, uh, obviously, uh, substantial resources and effort in, into Formulae. And that is a, a series, I must admit, that really intrigues me. And I, I really wonder how it's going to grow. You would kind of think that uh, just uh, from a logical point of view, that uh, at some point, internal combustion engines are going to be a thing of the past and and, and something is going to replace them, uh, be it uh, hybrid engines or um, the complete electric uh, cars. I mean, here in British Columbia, we've heard uh, things that uh, the provincial government here wants uh, all electric fleets in the province by the year 2040 so 20 years from now obviously uh, you know whether that uh, becomes uh, legislated at uh, some point who knows I mean I've heard uh, different things from different parts of the world I mean that obviously is where the technology is going to go so I mean that is one thing to watch just the the uh, the direction of Formula One where they're going to go because uh, at some point even though the uh, the the, uh, the hybrid turbo engines that they have right now are just uh, absolutely wonderful techno or pieces of technology at some part the uh, the the point that is the internal combustion engine of it is going to have to become a thing of the past uh, the one thing is uh, formula one has always had it in their ethos in their mandate that it still has to be road relevant and uh well i mean obviously hybrid uh, cars are something that uh, that we see each and every day i mean you don't have to go too far to to, to find one when you walk out of your front door but uh, what they do in, in in the long run is going to be uh, interesting but ha- having said that formula from what I've watched of it is a very different uh, the, the the racing and kind of the genesis behind it is a little obviously different than uh, the, than Formula One and well I mean I've tried to get into it but it just uh, doesn't for me and th- this is a little bit uh, different obviously just the uh, I, I mean the, the the whole idea about it uh, an all electric uh, series racing and just the the development of the technology there I think is a wonderful thing I think that uh, there's a lot of benefit uh, to be had there and I think that uh, under the extreme conditions of motor racing I think a lot uh, can be learned, and obviously one of the things that uh, that, that is uh, important is the, uh, the 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 battery size, and and that's always been I think one of the uh, the, the hindrances. Based on my limited knowledge, I'm I'm by no means an expert on uh, on electric cars or or formulae, and I, I've tried to get into it. I've I've struggled a little bit, um, but I, I think that's more really um, to do with my schedule and just the lack of time. I mean, I, I can sit down, make time to uh, for almost anything Formula One. And a lot of things uh, as well, but to really sit down and invest myself in, in something else, <laughs> I just really don't have the time for it. And, uh, you know, I already sacrifice uh, time on other things when it comes to like baseball, football and things like that. I don't watch as, uh, or enjoy that as much as uh, I used to. But uh, anyways, uh, very fascinating to, to see that uh, Mercedes uh, feel that uh, that the uh, the effort that they're putting into Formulae is now starting to, to do, uh, benefit and coming back to, to help the uh, the the Formula One team, the Formula One project uh, as well. But also sticking with uh, Mercedes and uh, Formula E, the FE Championship leader Stoffel Van Dorn. Obviously, that's a, a name that Formula One fans will be uh, familiar with. Uh, he was uh, with uh, McLaren for a couple of uh, years uh, before uh, leaving uh, F1 uh, to, to go to uh, Formula E. And uh, well, he he left uh, McLaren at the end of uh, 2018. His seat was uh, taken by uh, Lando Norris at uh, McLaren. But I mean, he's been uh, doing pretty good in, in Formula E. And he He's a good driver. There, there's no doubt about it. I think he was just sort of a question of uh, wrong place at the wrong time when uh, when he was at uh, McLaren. Uh, I, I think uh, when that that last year when he was there when they they had the first year of Renault power, it just. Uh 
it was like I say, I think it was more a bad timing than, than, than anything else. I mean, if you go back to his very first uh, debut a couple of several years ago now in uh, in Bahrain when he filled in for Fernando Alonso after Fernando had that horrible crash in uh, in uh, in Australia that one year, what was that uh, 2016 off the top of my head? Anyways, the car was destroyed and Fernando lucky to walk away from that obviously, but uh, he had some uh, some uh, you know, unintended after effects uh, from that crash and he wasn't able to to race at the next race in uh, Bahrain, but uh, Stoffel came in as uh, as the reserve driver for McLaren, and um, he finished 10th in that race in his debut. I thought it was uh, very, very good, but uh, when he became a fully-fledged uh, driver for McLaren, it was just, uh, like I say, wrong plays at the wrong time. They were struggling with the Honda power units and the reliability and the lack of power, and uh, they just... Uh, and it didn't work out for him, but it is good to see him doing well in in Formula E. And uh, so he's been uh, given the, the job as reserve driver for Mercedes because Esteban Ocon, who was the uh, reserve driver for Mercedes last year, of course, has uh, moved over to, to Renault to uh, partner Danny Ricardo. So uh, his job as a reserve driver has been uh, filled in by, by Stoffel. So that is uh, good to see. Anyways, uh, are we going to talk more about uh, Mercedes? Let me go through my notes here. No, actually, we're going to talk about uh, Racing Point. So we're, we're going to get back into some of the remaining uh, car releases uh, <clears throat> Excuse me, that, uh, that have gone on over the past uh, couple of days. Uh, last week, uh, we had uh, all the big teams having their launches and uh, events for all that. <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, but uh, th- this week uh, we've seen some of the teams like Racing Point and Alfa Romeo. Uh, they've uh, gone and done uh, their reveals just uh, basically trackside at uh, Barcelona. I think that's uh, a good way to to do it. Like I said last week on the show, I'm not really one for the the, the glitz and the glamour and all, all those sorts of things that come with Formula One. For me, it's very much about the cars, about the drivers, about the teams, about what's going on the track, and all that flashy stuff. I don't really have any time for. So didn't really have uh, too much of a problem uh, to see some of these uh, teams do uh, what uh, Racing Point and uh, Alfa Romeo did, basically wheel the car out of the garage, take some pictures, get the driver run, uh, jump into it, and uh, and go off and, uh, and and get some miles on the car. But uh, this uh, launch of the, the, the Force India has not been without a little bit of um, uh, controversy because uh, they, they basically have come out uh, and, uh, and admitted that they've uh, basically followed the same design theory of, uh, of Mercedes when it comes to uh, aerodynamics and the the RP20, it does look very Mercedes-esque. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's 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 a different car, but when you see it from certain angles, there are very much a lot of uh, similarities uh, between uh, the, the 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 racing points and the lines that we've seen on the Mercedes cars over the past uh, several years. And uh, Gunther Steiner, team principal at uh, at Haas, uh, never one to to shy away from uh, an entertaining. Uh, comment well i mean uh, at least entertaining from uh, from a fan's point of view but uh, gunther he does call it like he sees it and uh, he had uh, the, the the following to say about uh, racing point when it came to uh, their their new car the rp20 this week and uh, steiner had to say quote sometimes you have to think before you talk i will say that one because maybe one day it's your turn and then you cannot go against it as we all know, they complained quite heavily a few years ago, so now it is going full circle. It is up to them. I don't really care. 
end quote. So, well, basically what uh, what happened uh, was uh, there was a lot of criticism uh, that uh, that was leveled at uh, at Haas. I mean, they, they came into uh, F1 uh, several years ago and uh, there was, uh, they, they were fast. They, I mean, they're fast for a, a new team. Uh, they didn't really uh, go through a lot of the teething problems, some of the struggles that uh, that you might expect a new manufacturer to go through. They have this, uh, this agreement, uh, this working uh, relationship uh, with uh, Ferrari. They have a lot of these non-listed parts or whatever it is and uh, there was a lot of criticisms that uh, that came mostly from uh, uh, Racing Point or Force India at the time uh, that uh, they were basically saying it was a carbon copy of the the, the Ferrari so uh, Gunther very much uh, referencing that that and um, basically um, saying that uh, people in glass houses uh, shouldn't throw stones when uh, Racing Point were so critical of uh, the Haas being a, a knockoff of the Ferrari but now it very much uh, looks like the uh, the the, uh, the the, the Racing Point RP20 is a knockoff uh, of the Mercedes. Of course, it has a Mercedes power unit in the back, but it is what it is. Anyways, uh, Gunther did go on to say, quote, we buy a lot of parts from Ferrari. So which car are we going to copy? I guess a Ferrari. I mean, if you uh, will copy a Toro Rosso or a Red Bull, we would all be pretty stupid because we would try to invent something which is not there. So I think they are just doing what they we are doing, just trying to get the best out of it and use that model, end quote. <laughs> Anyways, Gunther, very much uh, one who uh, doesn't uh, mince his words. And, uh, you know, going back to um, the F1 Drive to Survive uh, a series on Netflix, which uh, debuts uh, season two very shortly here, just in a couple of days, uh, Gunther was uh, one of the, he was he was basically a rock star in season one because uh, we, we didn't have the involvement of uh, Ferrari or Mercedes uh, for free the for the first year in 2018 and uh, so I, I think they had to be uh, fairly uh, creative the, the the makers of this series to go to some of the other teams because you would just uh, have to think that um or, or expect that you're going to see those teams. You're going to see guys like Lewis Hamilton figuringly uh, heavy in a, in a production like that. And they didn't because they didn't want to officially sign on to it. And the series didn't lack for it, uh, you know, in, in my opinion. It was just unfortunate that when you had footage of the uh, Ferrari or Mercedes drivers or people that it was all basically stock footage. And, you know, there's uh, basically, uh, you know, sound clips from different, uh, you know, media scrums and, uh, and, and, and time in front of the microphone. And those are all, you know, very what do you want to call it managed and uh, you know they're all very professional and it wasn't as off the cuff but uh you know when it, when it came to uh, Haas and uh, and and Gunther Steiner he was about as off the cuff and about as real and and as raw as you could get uh, and I really uh, appreciated that about uh, Gunther Steiner so interesting to to see his take on the the whole uh situation with the uh, the the uh, racing point and the uh, alleged copying of uh, Mercedes anyways um the RS20 the Renault that uh was um, conspicuous in being not present at Renault's car launch last week has hit the track in uh, in Barcelona, Spain, in uh, basically uh, an all black uh, livery with uh, with yellow numbers. Uh, kind of an interesting uh, looking uh, car. It's going to be their contender for for this year. And uh, Surreal Abitabul, the team principal, said that uh, the team had hoped on uh, that not having everything on the car would uh, really help pay off in helping them focus on areas with uh, greater performance uh, potential. He had to say, "quote." This year, we decided to take a bit of a different approach. The regulations are stable, so it was offering a fantastic opportunity to keep some elements of the car that have no direct responsibility towards the performance of the car. It doesn't mean that it is the same car. It would not look very attractive. But what we have decided to do is focus on the performance areas, and by doing that, you also work towards 2021. 
If you can be focused on 2020, then you have some extra capacity available for 2021. That is the logic behind what we have done. Whether it works or not, let's see a Melbourne on the Saturday, end quotes. Uh, yeah, so that, uh, again, uh, Renault for me is a team that really needs to uh, really uh, prove something uh, this year. Uh, very disappointing uh, what they did in 2019. They just... Um, they just couldn't get it done, and uh, it, it was uh, it was uh, disappointing in the sense that the the, the forward progression that uh, they've been making over the several uh, previous seasons, I think, started uh, you know at least in my eyes, it started to tail off a little bit in in, in twenty eighteen. But last year, it felt like a regression. It felt like they were a, a step behind uh, everyone else. I mean, uh, McLaren, which is uh, basically a, a comparable team to them, was was much much better, and that uh, reflected at the end of the year in the constructors' championship, where uh, Renault were. Well, they weren't really uh, close to it. I mean, uh, if you have a Ferrari and Red Bull as the best of the rest uh, compared to Mercedes, and then uh, you had McLaren, uh, who were fourth last year in the Constructors' uh, Championship, they were the best of the rest of the rest. And, uh, well, Renault, they couldn't even really match up to them. So we'll have to to see whether or not uh, they can uh, get it done uh, this year. But, uh, well... We keep our fingers crossed. I'd like to see them uh, rise up and to reach their full potential because you have to remember this is a team that's been very successful in Formula One over the years as both an engine supplier and as a, as a works team, as a manufacturer. So uh, we, we know that uh, most recently they, uh, well, it's not recently, but uh, they were the team that uh, Fernando Alonso drove for back in 2005 and 2006 when he won uh, his only pair of world, uh, Formula One World Championships. So they, they do have it in their genes. They do have it their DNA, but uh, they just haven't been able to get it done over the past uh, couple of years. Anyways, uh, Esteban Oka, uh, one of the Renault drivers, had uh, the, the following to say uh, this uh, this week about, uh, well, just the, the, the downforce of uh, the car. And uh, he had the following to say, quote, there are always differences, but to be honest, the amount of grip there is this year already, I think if you take it into account the fastest lap time, we are already faster than the fastest lap time of the year, uh, last year, first day. So I think the cars are just evolving year by year. It's hard to compare, but the amount of grip I feel now, I think I've never felt before. I don't know if it's the track, but I drove on Monday in the filming day, and yeah, it's impressive, those new cars, I have to say. I never went that fast in some corners uh, before, so it feels good. It's definitely exciting because it's just going to get faster and faster. So we're going to probably break all the record lap times of last year, this year, I reckon. End quote. Yeah, so Esteban Oka, another guy that uh, they had something to prove uh, to me. I mean, he was a, bit, a little bit unfortunate, I think, uh, at the end of uh, 2018, that uh, by the time that the musical chairs of uh, driver's silly season stopped, that he was one guy without a, a drive or a full-time uh, race drive, that is, uh, in, in Formula 1 for 2019. I mean, I thought he'd done very well in the uh, the year and a bit uh, that he was uh, with uh, Racing Point. I thought, you know, he came in, uh, what was it, the end of 2018, and uh, he did uh, very, very well well and uh you know it, it was unfortunate but uh, it again it just goes to show just how competitive it is to get uh, a drive in formula one and 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 be able to to retain it and it doesn't really matter how good you are you just uh, he was unfortunate in that regard but being <clears throat> A Mercedes driver, and that was one of the things that uh, that that was uh, suggested that was maybe uh, limiting a, a move uh, for him for for 2019 was just that he had those links uh, to Mercedes. I mean, he was uh, fortunate in the fact that even though he didn't have a race drive, he was the reserve driver at uh, at Mercedes uh, for for 2019. But it was not without uh, some ill intended um, uh, or maybe unintended uh, consequences. And uh, Ocon said that he was 
destroyed after a year as a reserve driver. You'd have to think that uh, as a as a guy being able to get in in some capacity with uh, with with Mercedes would be a good thing. But uh, he had the following to say: "Quote." I mean, the season I had was very, very demanding. I was not sleeping for two days at a time. It was quite crazy, the amount of travel I was doing and the amount of hours I was doing in the simulator and then traveling to the track, doing stuff for Mercedes. They used me well, but a lot. So I arrived, to be honest, after testing in Abu Dhabi at uh, training camp. I was in the, the lightest I'd ever been. I was destroyed basically from the year end quote. <laughs> so it sounds like it was very, very uh, demanding and he was uh, destroyed for, well, maybe not in a mental sense, but it sounds like it was very, very demanding on, on him just in, in all regards, just uh, on his time, uh, physically, mentally, emotionally. It sounds like uh, it was a, a very, very uh, high pressure season for him. And uh, I mean, he, he's going from from one very good racing team to another. I mean, uh, Mercedes has been the gold standard for all those years, but uh, Renault really has something to prove. But like I say, I think that Esteban Ocon has something uh, to, to, to prove, even though he did very well those first, uh, you know, that, that first stint in Formula One as a, as a regular uh, race driver. For me, th- what he had done had been tarnished a little bit, I think, by that uh, that incident uh, that he had with uh, Max Verstappen at the Brazilian Grand Prix at the end of uh, 2018 when he uh, was lapped by Max and then uh, he tried to unlap himself uh, towards the end of the race. I mean, Max was uh, way out in front. Uh, he was going to win that race. I mean, there was no doubt about it. And then as they, they went through uh, turn two into turn three, Ocon tried to unlap himself. The two tangled and then went out. And of course, uh, afterwards, uh, they had a bit of a pushing match. Well, I mean, it was Max came and uh, shoved Ocon uh, around and then uh, ended up having to serve a community service, which I think he did as a, a track steward afterwards. But, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was just a one incident, I think, that, um, you know, kind of stood out in a bit of a negative light for, for uh, you know, regarding Esteban Ocon. Uh, for me but uh, you know I'd like to see him do uh, better this year and uh, you know Renault like I say he's got a lot to prove uh, the team has a lot to prove Uh, Ocon has a lot to prove Ricardo I think has a lot to prove and uh, he's going to be one to watch as well to see where he ends up going for for 2021 anyways time for one final break here on Scuderia F1 don't go away we'll be right back passion drive and patience The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
All right. Well, welcome back to the show. Just uh, going to start uh, stick with uh, Renault just for a couple of moments more, and then uh, we're going to slowly but surely start to to, to wind it up. Uh, Renault uh, says that uh, they feel that uh, they are in safer hands or in a safer position uh, now than they were uh, not so uh, long ago. Uh, when he was talking to uh, Motorsport.com earlier this week, uh, Surreal Abitabul had to say, "Quote on Renault. I guess the main development is the fact that we have a confirmation of the new government structure finally." It has been a number of evolutions like in F1, but now Luca De Meo, we have a clear CEO. He will not join before July, but we at least have a date and a name. In addition to that, the single most important piece of information, whether you got it or not, is the fact that uh, Clotilde Delbon, current acting CEO, will remain as deputy CEO when De Meo arrives. That's very important. It means there will be a, continui- a continuity of the governance, continuity also of the decisions, which means everything that we're discussing today with Mrs. Del boss will be valid even when DeMeo arrives. So that that that's good. I mean, there, there have been some questions, there have been some speculation in recent times that uh, perhaps uh, Renault is not going to stay around in Formula One, that uh, they're, they're getting ready to pull out. And, and honestly, I was a little bit concerned about that because uh, those stories came out about the same time that uh, perhaps uh, Mercedes is getting uh, ready to pull out and leave. Uh, both teams have been, I think, fairly forthcoming and, and, and fairly forthright that, uh, that they have no intentions to leave formula one that uh, that they're in the series and they want to stay there uh you know total wolf has said it's it's basically uh downright uh you know lies and rumors and untruths that uh that, that the mercedes is going to leave whereas uh, on the other side Renault was for me a little bit shakier it wasn't uh really all that cut and dry uh to me it seemed like it was a little bit uh foggy but now uh, we have news that there's a new ceo coming in that uh, perhaps they're going to be uh around for a, a while longer I certainly hope so anyways uh Renault said that they believe that they're going to be set for a game of chicken this year in uh, Formula One. And uh, basically that comes to uh, that sort of imaginary line in the sand when uh, teams will, I guess, uh, abandon the development of the, the, the current 2020 or sorry, 2020 cars and then focus on uh, on the 2021 car, which is going to take a lot of time and resources uh, to design because uh, they're going to be completely ra- brand new, right? <clears throat> Anyways, uh, when talking to uh, uh, Renault Executive Director Monsieur Budkowski, uh, the result was, or sorry, the, uh, the the comment was, "quote I think it's going to be a big dilemma." Uh, I think it's going to be a big dilemma for everybody. We have a plan, I'm sure everybody has, and that plan is to shorten development into the season. It is not less development, it's just a more uh, concentrated uh, development. It's easy to say this now because the season hasn't started, but at the front it could ca- could be quite interesting if the top three are fighting for the championship and it's going to be a close fight. It is going to be interesting seeing who pulls the plug first and jumps into 2021. Are Ferrari, for example, willing to switch earlier and take a risk that another team will win, end quote. And I think that's the same uh, for for anyone. Uh, I I don't think it matters if you're Mercedes at the top or Williams at the bottom or somewhere in in the middle. At uh, at some point, they they all switch uh, the the majority of their focus on the design for the next year. But uh, this year being a year that we don't usually see with a a massive change in the regulations coming for next year is uh, something we only see, you know, occasionally in in Formula One. We we see evolutions and, and 
iterations of the current formula, but uh, to see like a complete sea change of the uh, of the of the rules and regulations doesn't come along each and uh, each and every year. So, of course, uh, it's really going to be interesting to see like who who blinks first, right, and who decides. Okay, well, we've uh, you know our our, our shot uh, in the world championship is gone now. Uh, we'll we'll do what we can with the car now, but uh, we're not really going to do anything more regarding any further development of it, and uh, we're just going to throw our marbles and all our concentration and focus into the design of the car for for next year. Anyways, uh, Alfa Romeo was uh, another uh, team that uh, unveiled their car at uh, at Barcelona earlier this uh, week. Uh, Again, they're sticking with the same uh, driver lineup that they had last year in uh, in 2019 with uh, Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi. Uh, It's still basically the same uh, looking car. It's uh, still uh, got the base white color, the uh, the airbox and uh, the the wing end plates on the rear ring are are a nice red color. And uh, well, it looks uh, really good. And again, uh, this was uh, an interesting one. Uh, Robert Kubica, who was at Williams, last year somewhat uh, unsuccessfully despite scoring the only point the team had uh, in 2019 uh, left after last year but he's going to be the uh, the reserve driver for Alfa Romeo uh, behind uh, Giovinazzi and, uh, and and Kimi Raikkonen so again uh, much like uh, Racing Point there was no real fanfare around the uh, the, the launch for the uh, Alfa Romeo it uh, was basically done in, in the pit lane and uh, well I like it looks good we'll see what uh, what it can do uh, on the track uh, but uh, certainly it looks like a, a nice car anyways uh, we were talking about Williams just now um, they've come out and said that the uh, the FW43 is uh, well it basically has not changed anything from last year's car and there are no what they call quote fundamental concept changes in the design of the car for for 2020 so uh, again last year's car the FW42 it was well, it was a couple of seconds off the pace, and uh, there was good reason for that. It was not a very, very good car. Anyways, it pinged, uh, picked up just one point after 21 races, and uh, like I say, that was uh, Robert uh, Kubica. And, uh, well, Williams has decided not to uh, complete, or sorry, um, create a completely different car this year and uh, they want uh, instead to focus on the areas of the car where they think that there are big uh, performance steps uh, to be found i mean they were they were a couple of seconds off the off the pace uh, last year and uh, it just uh, it seemed uh, amazing that uh, uh, it, it seemed like only a couple of laps into the race each and every weekend. I know it wasn't uh, wasn't that uh, obviously, but it seemed uh, very quickly after the the, the lights went green at uh, many tracks that it didn't it didn't seem like it was too long uh, before the front runners were actually uh, coming up to the, to the Williams cars of uh, Kubica and George Russell and uh, and lapping them. Anyways, uh, Russell uh, says that uh, he feels that the uh, the FW forty three feels much better than last year's car and uh, he had the following to say quote i'd say definitely the general handling of the car is much better from lap one today i had confidence to push the car to the limit whereas last year it was a nice feeling in the early laps it was quite scary to drive actually last year in the opening laps trying to build that confidence already that's better but not always nice a car to drive is a fast car uh, so it's a lap tape uh, based uh, sport and it doesn't matter how you get around the lap as long as it's fast that's what counts it's been improved in that area now we need to see if we have managed to put more downforce onto the car to complete with the compete with the guys around me end quote so george russell i mean he sounds positive but uh, on the other hand uh, it, it sounds like uh, that uh, that that positive uh, response is is tempered by a little bit i wouldn't say negativity but uh, i would say more of uh, um, wariness uh, and uh, hoping that uh, I, I think that uh, he's hoping that they can get more out of the car uh, based on what they have uh, right now. 
But then uh, also another team, Alpha Towering, which uh, used to be uh, Toro Rosso, uh, they've uh, launched uh, their car for 2020. They're calling it the uh, the AT01. Alpha Tauri is the what is it? The clothing brand uh, of uh, branch of uh, of Red Bull. I don't. It's not something that, uh, that I've ever seen. Although I'm uh, not exactly the most fashionable and up to date on that sort of stuff. But that's a, a completely <laughs> different uh, different thing. But it's uh, it's a nice looking uh, car with uh, basically a, a white with a black trim on it on the uh, the airbox and the rear wing and the end plates on the uh, on the front wings uh, so it'll be nice it'll be a little bit a uh, little bit kind of weird I mean uh, Toro Rosso's been uh, around uh, for for quite a while uh, but uh, it's a nice uh, looking car anyways uh, France tossed the uh, the, the principal at uh, Alpha Tauri had to say quote we are looking with a new car to a new season I must say we are very optimistic for this season why because first of all the car showed very good uh, results in the wind tunnel for second Honda our friends in Japan. Sakura made big progress during the winter months from the performance side as well as from the reliability side. Third, we have two good drivers. They showed it already last year. We are really optimistic. The team must perform well. We have a fantastic partner with Alpha Tauri, and I'm really convinced that Alpha Tauri will have a successful season, end quote. And again, uh, they're sticking uh, with the same driver lineup uh, as uh, many other teams are. And the drivers for Alpha Tauri this year are Danny Kvyat and uh, Pierre Gasly, who just seems to be like in a good, comfortable uh, you know, situation there. He just uh, he struggled last year at, uh, at Red Bull. And I don't think, uh, you know, looking back now, it was a, a real big surprise that they decided to pull that trigger and uh, make the move, sending him back to Toro. Rosso and uh, and then moving Alex Albon up to uh, partner Max Verstappen at Red Bull instead. It just uh, seemed that uh, once they did that, it was a a, wor- a move that worked out uh, for everyone. So uh, we'll look to to see how they do uh, once uh, we get going with racing here. Anyways, uh, we're going to move on now. Just uh, as we uh, close it down with some of the business side of Formula One, uh, Chase Carey, the uh, CEO at Formula One, uh, is is he's fairly positive uh, about the uh, where, where Formula One stands. On discussions uh, for a new Concord uh, agreement, and uh, he believes uh, that uh, that the terms and uh, and and the the situation there will be uh, better for everyone. And uh, he had to say, uh, "quote We've got all the agreements on the table, and we're comfortable. We've put together a proposal that is fair to everyone. We're dis- in discussions with the teams. I think they're constructive. I think the sport will be better for the fans, better for the teams, and better for everyone. We think it's a real step in the right direction on all fronts. We've talked about before, but before." end quote so yeah it's uh, not completely all wrapped up but uh, it, it is good to say uh, or, or see that even though that uh, there were well, I mean the, uh, the 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 debate and the process to get the uh, the, the technical side for 2021, uh, you know, that took like a long time. But uh, just in general, uh, be it either with the Concord Agreement or with the the the, the technical rules for uh, and regulations for 2021, that we haven't really had anybody uh, come and uh, basically threaten to uh, take their toys and uh, go home. I mean, that always seemed to be, uh, you know, Ferrari's go-to default move. That uh, if there was any discussion about those, those sorts of things. You know, it, oh, it's not in our DNA. It's not in the genes the, of uh, Ferrari and that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, they just did seem to be uh, automatically, uh, uh, you know, very negative towards any sort of things. But I mean, in general, like I say, I mean, uh, to, to get the technical side uh, took a lot longer than uh, I think uh, many people uh, expected uh, before that was, uh, you know, something that was agreed upon and, uh, and, and put into writing for, for next year. 
but now we just need to get the the, the behind the scenes the uh you know the uh you know back end stuff uh, sorted out so if uh, carries a uh, positive uh, on that front then uh, I, I think we got hope uh, that uh, that'll get uh, sorted out sooner than later and just uh, talking about a, a couple of things now just uh, uh, regarding a couple of uh you know the venues uh, for formula 1 uh the Miami Grand Prix which has sort of been on again off again and on again off again uh, for a good number of years now apparently they uh, they've cleared uh, another major uh, hurdle uh, and that's uh, with uh, some of the uh, the, the local op- opposition that they've uh, had with uh, people in and around uh, the, uh, the the uh, the the stadium um <clears throat> Uh, pardon me, uh, that uh, where they want to uh, ha- um, build this uh, temporary track. And uh, so there, there was, uh, uh, well, it wasn't a landslide uh, victory, but they uh, they had a, a vote in council, uh, which ended in a, a 6-6 tie, but uh, it means that the approval of uh, the city of Miami Gardens, as well as uh, the, the county, uh, well, well, they won't need their approval, uh, anything uh, going forward. So the owners of the uh, Miami Dolphins, uh, who are trying to put the the, the race on uh, can now proceed with the plans uh, to build the track uh, for the Grand Prix within the grounds of the stadium, the Hard Rock Stadium, and uh, that will be uh, well. That, that's good news because I, I mean, not that uh, you know, I think it's a, a good thing that uh, that the, uh, the the wishes or concerns of uh, local residents uh, uh, aren't uh, taken into account. Uh, it at least appears from the outside that they've they've tried to do the right thing. I mean, you know, maybe if you're in uh, Miami, maybe you might have a, a different uh, take on that and you know if if i'm seeing that wrong you know by all means uh, let me know uh send me a tweet at scuderia f1 or uh, email scuderia f1 pod at gmail.com if uh, i'm completely uh, off base here but you know they, they've tried uh, multiple venues and different uh, layouts for the track uh, over the years and you know the the, the concerns that people have you know are, are completely legit you know it comes from anywhere from uh, pollution both uh, noise and also uh you know uh, any air pollution uh, from from the cars themselves uh, you know just the the, the proximity of the uh, the, the proposed uh, track uh, near to um, uh, you know around hard rock stadium and uh, local housing you know the the impact that it has on traffic all those sorts of things and you can understand understand why people would uh, be uh, concerned about it and you know the things that I saw was uh, and again uh, you know if uh, if I'm seeing uh, this wrong you know let me know but uh, it, it seemed that you know that they uh, you know the 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 uh, the, the people there, they were like, well, okay, well, you know, if you can get it sorted out and meet our concerns and do things the right way, then, you know, let's, let, let's see if we can get it done. But, um, you know, it is what it is now anyways, uh, that they, they can go ahead without having to get the, uh, the approval of the County and, uh, the, the, the city, uh, you know, going forward. So we'll see how that goes, uh, when, and uh, when that might uh, come onto the, uh, onto the calendar. I mean, there, there was a possibility of, there was that rumor, I think, uh, last year after the, uh, Azerbaijan Grand Prix that that was, that was it. They'd sold the facilities. It was going to go to Miami and they were going to be on the, uh, the, the calendar this year. So again, you know, there, there has been talk that, uh, F1 could maybe expand up to a, a 25 race calendar which is almost half of the year i mean 52 weeks in a year 26 is uh you know 26 weeks is is 50 percent. so 25 races is a is a very very you know lofty goal you know it's it's obviously a big thing to, to try and do that um and uh, to, to maybe accommodate some of these uh, other venues i mean we got well i mean if china was going ahead we'd have 22 this year back down to uh, uh, 21 but 
you know, there's a potentially a race going on in Saudi Arabia, uh, Saudi Arabia, you know, this uh, second uh, race in the U.S. at uh, in Miami. I mean, you go to 24 right there, perhaps uh, someone else, you know, that uh, to bring it up to, to 25. And it is uh, completely possible. I mean, well, there was that story going on a couple of years ago that, uh, you know, Kerry was saying that they had up to uh, 40 interested parties uh, out there that wanted to, to host a, a Grand Prix. So we're, we're, we're not up to, to 40, but potentially up to 24. So again, we'll have to, to wait and see. But uh, finally, it sounds like maybe something might be happening in uh, in Miami. So we'll wait, uh, have to wait and see whether or not uh, they come up onto the calendar or not anytime soon. Anyways, uh, just uh, one final thing here. There are going to be maybe some track changes, uh, maybe in time for the 2021 uh, Australian uh, Grand Prix. And uh, that's uh, basically going to be a major paving and resurfacing uh, of the track around uh, Albert Park, which isn't uh, a purpose-built uh, racetrack. Uh, there's uh, actual cars drive around there from uh, what I understand. So you have uh, actual traffic uh, around there. And it sounds like uh, the, the track has been in need of uh, an upgrade uh, for resurfacing uh, for, for some uh, time now sounds like that's going to happen uh, within the next uh, year or two anyways oh boy i i I ran out of water here during uh, the uh, the recording of this show we're already over an hour so i think i'm gonna draw a line right there and uh and just uh, leave it uh, for this week anyways if you want to get in touch uh please do so love uh, to hear from you guys uh, one way or another uh you can send uh, an email at scooteriaf1pod at gmail.com or on twitter at scooteriaf1pod we also have a facebook page not really super active there but uh, i do post uh, new episodes on the facebook page and that is facebook.com slash scooter scooteria f1 pod and that's it thank you so very much for downloading and listening to the show if you want to support us it only takes a couple of moments of your time and the the best and the easiest way to do so is to go to apple podcasts or wherever you download and listen to podcasts to and leave a five-star rating and review it really does help us and it would really be very very much appreciated uh, by myself and uh, I really am grateful for all of you listeners uh, coming and uh, listening uh, to me ramble on about our favorite sport each and every week and uh, even more so I, I, I appreciate all of you that uh, reach out just uh, you know, to say hi or uh, you know give some feedback and uh, it's all good anyways like I say I'm drawing the line there that's it that's a wrap thanks so much for listening I'll talk to you guys again very very soon bye for now ciao Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.